Welcome to In the Trenches, a weekly podcast series dedicated to entrepreneurial leadership, the principles and values that define and develop it, as well as actionable steps that you can take to immediately lead your team to victory. Hey, good afternoon, guys. This is Eric LeClaire representing Push Press, and we are continuing our series on In the Trenches, discussing the topic of both leadership and discipline. And I am super privileged to have an old friend, Jeremy Jones, on. And I just, I'm, I'm so impressed to watch his evolution from coach and owner from the days of Diablo or CrossFit Diablo now into Thrivestry, uh, chief programming architect, chief. Is that right? Did yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. Right. Jeremy, go ahead. For those that are watching today who may not know you, who I'm, I'd be surprised if they don't, go ahead and introduce yourself. So I started CrossFit in 2004. I was working as an engineer and uh, competing in MMA and coaching um, martial arts. And I found this thing, you know, I was, and it hurt so bad when I first did it. I had to do more of it because when you're when you're a fighter, it's like, oh, 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 show me that again. <laughs> and uh, Got sucked in, and and a few years or about a year or two later, I started an affiliate in my backyard. It was one of the first fifty or first hundred affiliates. Um, we used to go down to Santa Cruz and train with with Glassman and Coach Glassman and Lauren and everybody. And then I had started my own little gig. Went to the park. Went to a small gym. Uh, eventually grew to multiple locations. Our biggest one had a thousand members. Um, wow. That did that for a long time. Yeah, we had twenty eight classes a day at that one location. Wow, that could be an entire other episode on organizational <laughs> leadership. Yeah, and and I had a great partner, Craig Howard, and um and we went to the games and my you know my team podium at the games. I had athletes, you know, Alessandra Pacelli started at my gym. I was her first her first competitive coach, and and other and other people had masters get on the podium, and and uh, was really plugged into the to the competition side. I was also the head coach for the fire team uh, grid team for the grid league. And, um, uh, so just got really plugged into the competition side and this whole time I was doing gym programming. And so I sort of built up a reputation for creating intelligent, not total crush you workouts that actually work for lots of a diverse population of people. So right. people started asking me for it. So we started selling it, you know, back in like 2011. Um, I never really intended on it. I just intended to, I was just like, get it from our blog or whatever, but people wanted it. Um, fast forward to about four, three, four years ago. And uh, um, my partner and I decided it was time to, to, to move on. One of us was going to move on or the other one, the other one was going to stay. Um, what, what I determined was, um, uh, you know, he, he wanted to kind of stay in the fitness industry and he didn't really have any other options if he sold. Um, I wanted to stay in the fitness industry, but I had this growing uh, business of, of helping gyms and helping coaches be better. And so I took the clients that we had and I created Thrivestry and then that blew up. And for me personally, I, I like the, the ability to help even more people, right? So that, that, the, the using, using the, uh, you know, the internet, I can reach far more people and help people with their programming. And uh, so that, that really motivates me. So is Thrivestry then programming only or do you do mentorship, like gym owner mentorship? So we do, we, I don't, I see it is one and the same, right? So, so um, one of the core things that I've realized in all these years of coaching, thousands and thousands of classes I've coached, in fact, from a programming perspective, you know, I have been programming seven days a week since 2006. So we took turns in 2005 and I've yeah. never missed a day. I've never copied and pasted programming. And, and uh, 
Um, so that, you know, what is that? It's, you know, four or 5,000 posts at least, right? Or, you know, Easily. lesson plans. And, and uh, one of the things I started to realize is, and I just did a social media post about this recently. It, the all, we can argue all day long in, about movements in the gym and biology in the lab and diet and all these things. It doesn't matter what really the real work that needs to be done in the fitness world is between the ears, right? Yeah. And that, and that, that uh, there's so many people, you know, debating these, these topics, which may or may not be right or, or even impo- are not important if you're not getting people to show up and do the, do the work, right? That's the most important thing. And so, so a lot of my education and mentoring is around psychology and habits and motivation and, you know, interpersonal skills. And so, you know, that, so a lot of my private articles and content for subscribers only really, really drives that point home. And I think, you know, like one of the things I put out recently is I had a, I had a you know, a, a subscriber only series of courses to help people get, or get into the online coaching business because I've done some of that myself. And I know some of the hurdles and some of the ways to, in, to implement it in a gym. And I just decided because of everything that's going on, I put it all into a PDF. It ended up being like 30 pages, <laughs> hour, over an hour of videos, all these other links and tools and, and you know, forms you can use. And I just put it out for free. It was like, look, just download this and, and hopefully you get something out of it. You know, Man, that had to be for coaches, a gold mine to find in this right place and right time. I definitely don't want to jump ahead, but I, I would want to say you were lucky enough to have had a solid like set of SOPs, of implementation, um, the structure to handle something like this now downturn because there's you're fully digital now, right? There's no more um, brick and mortar for you, correct? No, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So I sold off the um, the most of our locations and I kept one, and then I, I did that for another year or two, um, just so I had kind of one foot in the door and I still could experiment and you know shoot videos and stuff. And then I sold that to a, another partner. I had a different partner at that, at that gym. And then, yeah, so I'm, I'm completely virtual now. Wow. So, I mean, the pivot that all these gym owners are having to struggle with today, you have been seamless in being able to deliver value and content and support to your clients that are part of your culture today. Um, are, were there any principles or any like leadership principles, leadership values that you took from a different part of your life or that you built over time with all the companies you've worked with and for that have helped form you as the guiding light uh, of your company or have you evolved over time? Um, I, you know, I have a unique kind of a, a unique history in the fact that, that, um, I was, I went to a military academy, the maritime academy, and got a mechanical engineering degree. Then, then I was worked as a mechanical engineer all the same time, uh, while doing martial arts and having that sort of Eastern philosophy combined with sort of the logical engineer mind. Um, and also being, being a, a follower of Jesus, I'm a Jesus dude. And so I have all these kind of moving parts and I'm, and people say I'm pretty artistic. And so I'm, I'm like kind of like a man of many hats, so to speak. And, and, uh, um, so I, I, what I like to do is look at the big, bigger principles and bigger picture things, you know, and, and, uh, um, and look at the, you know, the, how they interrelate and the similarities. And so, so that I think has really helped me, you know, develop over time. And I, I'm always developing. That's, that's what I, you know, when you, when you work toward getting your black belt or your, you know, I, I remember having this specific moment, I was sitting in different differential equations too. So, you know, that's after calculus, that's after <laughs> everything you're, I'm sitting here and I, and I had dawned on me. I'm like, this is like first grade math for a, for a mathematician. 
right? Like I am just learned starting the journey of math. And I realized, and it was like a black belt. Like when you're a white belt or an orange belt, you don't have any idea how much farther you have, you have. Right. right. And, and, and then just realizing that everything in the world is like that. And, and just to always be a student and always be learning, I think. And that's something that I'm always trying to teach people, constantly trying to help and teach people and get people in that mind, that growth mindset. That obviously has been significantly powerful for the affiliates that you've helped or the, the gym owners that you've helped or even the, the coaches that you've either groomed. And, and I think that's an impressive statement to, to look at the, not only the rich history that is, is your story, but the ability for you to create other amazing gym owners and coaches and trainees and, you know, staff members or interns and so on. Um, obviously, who you are today, you've built up over time. And so if you were to think back to giving a brand new coach some advice in this moment, in this time, think back to the original level one CrossFit coach or the original level one weightlifting coach, or even a personal trainer who's trying to develop his or her brand, any message for them or any thoughts to them on leadership, discipline, organization, what could you shed or what kind of light could you shed for them? Well, I, I'm, I'm uh, working on an article right now and I'll, I'll summarize it here. And um, it, it involves Jesus and webcam girls. So <laughs> awesome. I love it. <laughs> and, and uh, so we're in a very, you know, unique time. The funny thing is, is all of this stuff could have happened. This online training stuff could have happened and people were already moving into this space before this, but now we're all having to, to do it. But this, this principle, um, I learned it, you know, from, from a, a pastor friend of mine and it's relationship and challenge. And, and, um, and I have a video on it, but, uh, it's basically imagine a matrix. So up and down is, is the amount of, uh, relationship that you have with somebody. And then horizontally is challenge. Now, I wish I had, don't have my markers nearby, but I could draw it. But, but basically, um, you know, what Jesus said, you know, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And, and all throughout the Bible, he talks about you know, whenever he does things, he always engages with pe- people on their level first and has that empathy. Empathy is one of the most important tools we have as coaches is being able to understand where people are at and then deliver things on their level, right? Whether that's more challenge or to back off. Um, and so you build that relationship first. And then you can start issuing more and more challenge, you know? So what happens is, is if, if you don't have the relationship high on the, on the graph and it's low and you start moving them into challenge, they're going to be burned out or frustrated, yep. right? If you, if you have um, high relationship and you, and you have no challenge, then people are bored, right? They're right. not being challenged. I'll swear for another whatever. Yeah. 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 And, and, and they're not willing to necessarily pay for your services or whatever. But when you kind of hit that sweet spot, you have to start with the uh, relationship and then you can start challenging them, them more. Um, so this is, this is one of the things that, that we talk about with, you know, gym, gyms that are doing MATLAB and stuff and why I kind of got plugged in with them pretty early on was because they, re- they found that, that by building the relationship with the clients, especially like on those initial one-on-one sessions that they do, um, clients are more, they can tolerate a lot more challenge, whether that's challenge in the gym or challenge changing their habits outside of the gym, like diet and sleep or, or having to work out at home. And, and this is a working huge out, challenge. Working out at home is just another variation of challenge. Now it's just maybe less convenient or maybe it's an inconvenience because the kids are home. But if they're wired to take on challenge, they just adapt, right? Yeah. And they're, they're willing, they're exactly, they're willing to, to do what their coach asks of them. And they're willing to, you know, not put their membership on hold. 
because they have that relationship first. Right. And so, so that's that, you know, that's, that's probably the most important thing as a coach to realize is that you have to kind of build this bond first before you start asking for more stuff, you know, for them to do more things like train by themselves or, you know, work out with less equipment or whatever. And, and so the coaches that have done that are, are doing fine right now, you know, um, especially coaches, you know, um, I know a lot of the Mad Lab coaches are, are, you know, their clients go on trips and they just keep them motivated and give them programming and workouts. On the trip, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like right now, just their whole client book is on a trip. Now they have to shift a lot of their interactions a lot more online because they're used to seeing people regularly. That's, that's how you build a relationship. Um, right. But now, so now they're, they're doing a lot all, it all online, but it, the, most of them have, they've lost, you know, a few, like, I think, I think the count was like less than 10% of like all the gyms, you know, have, have had people put stuff on hold. And usually that's because someone lost a job, you know? Right. Um, they're through financial hardship. Yeah. Yeah. And so usually you work, you work with them because you have a relationship with that person, right? Right. I mean, if you've taken the time to develop the relationship, then you can empathize with the situation and obviously be creative and not just be like, all right, you're out later. Get yeah, out here. Yeah. And, and how this ties in with the webcam girls. So I don't know if you guys know what webcam girls are. It's what I used to do in a previous life. I'm just kidding. Uh, so the, 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 um, there's an industry, by the way, webcam girls and Jesus, that's what it's going to be called. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so uh, I saw like, I think it was a vice documentary about this. I didn't know any of this stuff existed. And, and uh, yeah, I found it fascinating. Well, like the, the, um, the adult uh, industry has, has had a, has, has had a real problem right now. The production studios, because everything's online, there's pirating and there's all these amateur stuff and they can't compete. And uh, one of the things that's really, really hammering them is that, is that the live people can do live interactions with these, with these feet with these people. And, uh, and you, you gotta wonder, you know, like, okay, well, why are people willing to pay so much more money to just be, just to have a live interaction? You know, it's the same thing with doing workout videos at home, you know, or, or uh, working out by yourself. You know, we, we see those parallels and the, the, um, the people who make the most money are the ones that engage and develop relationships. Right. So it's like a virtual girlfriend uh, experience. Um, and so yeah, and they and they pay a lot of money to get into little private, you know, private rooms and have conversations. And and from from what I understand, a lot of times it's not even like weird stuff. It's like these are just normal people, and a lot of times they just wanted someone to talk to and and, and open up to, right? That they feel close to. Um, and and there, Which those is are the article, by the way, on this. That'd be it's gonna be a great article. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's um, you know, and it's so, but but again, it goes back to that relationship piece, and it's funny how you know, um, myself and a lot of the other experts have been saying this for years. And then people will argue, well, community is not, you can't sell community. Community is not important. You know, really, you know, you, you, you don't want your coaches to get too, you don't want your clients to get too attached to a particular coach, you know, and, and that can be bad if the coach leaves and things like that. And it's like, well, yeah. Yeah. And, and there, there is drawbacks to that, but if you have the right systems in place, it's, it be, makes it much less of an issue. And, and if you have the right, you know, compensation structure and you're taking care of that coach, they're much less likely to leave. And so, um, so you, again, that minimizes that do you risk. Wanna, do you want to talk to that seeing as how we're discussing like organizational leadership or you know, structural organization of, you know, how gyms are going to survive this and thrive? Um, can you speak to the efficacy briefly of, of Mad Lab and your, um, your role there? 
Yeah. So, so um, I've actually taken a, a lesser role because Thrive Industry got so big, but, but um, um, I came on as, as sort of the, the, the head of coach development. And so really mentoring these coaches and how to, and how to administer um, that program. And, and for those of you guys who don't know, um, uh, the, the Mad Lab model is a coach will have a, every client that comes to the gym is assigned a coach. And that person will usually do five to 20 personal training sessions before they're allowed to class. And, and that's par- partially for technical and, but mostly for relationship, right? So you really get to know that person and they really, and you can really bond with them. And then they start going to classes and then they have regular one-on-one um, meetings uh, uh, yeah, on top of the classes to kind of to tailor their programming, but really again, just to just to confirm that relationship, and and uh, so they call that a hybrid model where it's one on one plus um, uh, you know plus group all the group classes, so they can go to anyone else's group classes and they come on their schedule, and really it's the it's the job of the coach to just coach enough classes so they can see all their people two or three times a week, and then and then all week long they're hitting all their people. Uh, the the goal is to work up to where you have 40, 50, 60 clients. Um, and then, and then uh, there's a, a tiered pay structure, which is a which is a percent of what the client pays. So just for easy math, um, let's say, you know, the the um, person's paying two hundred dollars for a membership, and that coach could make up to fifty percent, depending on all those other specific details. The coach would collect a hundred dollars, and the gym would collect a hundred dollars, um, and that motivates the coach to meet to retain the clients. Yeah, yeah solid. And bring new clients in, right? And and uh, keep the gym healthy and growing. Uh, so that, and, that's a recruitment incentive. There's a retention incentive, and in the middle is the relationship. And exactly, and and it, it it takes away the the requirement for floor hours, right? So so now we can have coaches coaching, you know, personal training and classes combined, you know, twenty to twenty five hours a week. Um, more than that, it's, it leads to burnout and it can be hard to sustain for long term. It can be done in short sprints, um, but uh, then they can spend the rest of their, their work time doing social media and following up with people remotely and all, and all those sort of things. And awesome. so, yeah, and so, so it's a great model. It's, it's, it's hard to implement, right? It's hard to shift a whole culture when you have 100 or 200 clients that came on just doing classes and they're like, I came to classes, I'm fine. Why do I need to do one-on-one training now? You know, you got you to tell them, hey, look, for every one person here right now, there's five or six that tried it and couldn't couldn't make it because they felt overwhelmed. Right? right. They got challenged without the relationship. They got ch- too much challenge and they failed. And, and I feel bad as a coach not being able to help those people. You know, it wasn't money. It wasn't schedule. It was just it was, they was just too hard for them. And in order to help more people, we need to do the we need to do these one on ones. And and really, like like you said, if people are coming to the gym three times a week. Like that's, that's, that's great. You know, but the real work is what, when they're outside of the gym, well, how do you teach them that stuff and hold them accountable? And that's what the coach for life does is they hold them accountable. They give them, you know, goals and tasks and routines to work through and, and not just to make sure they're showing up at the gym, which is, which is kind of like, Oh yeah, of course you are. The, the, um, it's also all those other lifestyle habits that really make people have better lives. I love it. I totally love it. I mean, it's been a, we've been, obviously in the same circles for such a long time it's it's so impressive to see these principles play out in real life and impact gym owners impact coaches and most importantly impact the clients and it's a win all the way around coach client and the company it, it, i take it I totally well and, it. and 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 um one of the reasons why i i a light bulb went off when i when i started hearing about them and i met and i met them was was a uh, uh, 
was I in the martial arts world that I came from, I happened to train at a studio that um, was the lineage of one of the first martial arts studio, professional martial arts studios to open the United States, uh, the Tracy's Karate Studios. And they were under someone named Ed Parker. But in like the 50s, they started doing martial arts schools. At their peak, I think they had 225 privately owned locations. So this is not a franchise. This is not an affiliate model. That's like one person owning 250 affiliates. Um, And uh, no single entity has done that (laughs) in the time since. They're all franchises or whatever. And um, so they were able to grow all these uh, and test all these different business models. And uh, what they found was a half hour personal training once a week in unlimited group classes, which is which is basically the MATLAB model, right? But that doesn't stop there. They got the idea from Arthur Murray Dance Studios. The so Arthur, I love it. Arthur Murray has been around 100 years teaching people how to do waltz, <laughs> the tango. <laughs> and they do, a, that's what they do. They do a half hour private session and they, it's all about the relationship. And, and the story that, that I was told was um, it, when it dawned on them, they were at a, his wife w- was, went to Arthur Murray and they went to a banquet and they had all, it was, it was a, a thousand people or hundreds of people in this big banquet hall and had everyone stand up and they said, okay, if you've been training with, with uh, Arthur Murray for more than five years, stay standing up, everyone else sit down and half the room sits down. And then they say, okay, more than 10 years, stay standing up and some more people sit down more than 15 years. 20 years, you know, and there were still people standing up. They'd been with the same instructor learning how to dance for 20 plus years. And that was when it just sort of dawned on them. It's about that relationship side. And the the reason why I bring that that story up was the 1973 oil embargo. So in 1973, there was an oil embargo and there was not, there was not enough gasoline. And we were, we were over consuming it, like using it to heat our homes and everything, but people had to wait in line for hours to get gas. There was where they could only go on certain days based upon your license plate number. And, and at the time that, that actually caused a huge economic problem, obviously. And, uh, but for all these small gyms, all these martial arts studios, people had to decide, do I drive to work or do I go drive to the gym? And, and so it caused uh, all these, a lot of gyms to shut down, but they were able to, to, get through that Arthur Murray and the, uh, the Tracy studios because they had the relationship. <laughs> sure. That makes yeah. sense. So fast forward to 2020, here we are facing our say generations first ever quarantine mass shutdown, stay at home orders, safer at home orders. And we're going to see gyms affected by this. We're going to see people that didn't have quality relationships in place. They didn't have good leadership characteristics or care and empathy in place. And the client is going to disappear. Yeah. So if, if a client was only paying for using the equipment and having kind of a fun experience with other people, then they're not going to see the benefit to keep paying when they can't, when they don't have access to that, they're going to want to go on hold or cancel. So that I guess could maybe be the exact same message. Cause I mean, the last piece that we want to jump off on is always to the struggling gym owner today, the affiliate owner, the head coach, maybe even the program director in these, the gym space for those people that are struggling, for the individuals that are very close to either packing up and saying, I can't do this anymore, what singular message to them would you drive home? Well, I would say that, that uh, you have to reach out to your people and build that relationship now, right? Or have your coaches do it. Assign everyone a person and you know, they already have some sort of relationship with and start checking in on them and just seeing how they're doing. 
and and then giving them workouts specific to them, maybe a little bit, so they feel like they're getting that value and in that that customization and accountability. And I talk a lot about that in my you know uh, uh, mentoring program I put out online. But that's really what we're providing is that customization and accountability that's lacking in most CrossFit classes. You know, when you have a right. class, right? And and so and, and so if we can if we can do that, then then you'll save a lot of clients, right? And and even and even gain some. And I think going forward, one of the, the ways to look at this is that this is going to cause a huge enema. It's going to clean out a lot of bad gyms or gyms that just that people were just doing it. They were looking for an excuse to get out, maybe. Right. And, and uh, they're going to be like, "Well, yeah, oh my, yeah, I had a gym. It was that the coronavirus thing happened, and then you know I had I had to shut down, maybe because they were already looking for an out." And right. uh, um, so if you can make it through this. You know, there's going to be a lot of people looking for gyms. And now you're also going to have an online component to your business, which right. isn't dependent on your brick and mortar, which means you can have more memberships and help more people. And I think that's what we should be looking forward to. Man, I, I sincerely and wholeheartedly agree that there's so many opportunities being presented for the coaches to sit, just sit back and either play the victim, the woe is me, the, oh, it's external reasons why I'm failing. No, no, it's... We got to turn the fingers back around, um, man. But I, I sincerely appreciate both your uh, the time that you've spent, the education that you've shared, and also, of course, the journey. 